When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Been looking forward to this conversation. We're joined by author and columnist Gordon Chang, widely recognized authority on what's happening in China, Chinese-American relationships, and that sort of thing. Gordon's recent column caught my eye. China's economy is collapsing. Here's why you should worry. Gordon, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. So it's funny, uh, Jack and I, and Jack's off today, but we're we're both really into Chinese American relations, the rise of China, China's future, and that sort of thing. While, as Rush Limbaugh might have put it, the the drive-by media just always repeats, "China's the great rising economic power. China will soon eclipse us. They'll soon have the biggest economy on earth." And a lot of us are over here shouting, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! China has some serious problems going on." So glad to hear you writing about it. Tell us about the current state of China economically, and then we'll get to what it might mean down the road. Yeah, China right now has an economy which is perhaps zero growth, maybe negative. If there is any sort of positive growth at all, it's probably less than 1%. And and the reason is, of course, the COVID lockdowns, which still are plaguing the country, including still plaguing Beijing and Shanghai, where they're putting new neighborhoods into restrictive measures all the time. But they're, they're more fundamental problems. The most fundamental problem is that Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, is moving back to a state dominated economy. We know that doesn't work. Also, they've got too much debt. Um, and that debt problem is, a, is a, something that they can't solve. But it's not just the economy. This is in the context of a country which really is in distress. Uh, tell, tell us more about that sort of distress. I mean, because the COVID will come and the COVID will go. But I, I know a lot of the problems are, are structural, if you will. Yes, the, the problems are structural. And the most structural problem of all is demography. China right now has a population of, let's say, 1.41 billion, which is the number from the most recent uh, reporting of the National Bureau of Statistics. Um, Most people expect China by the end of the century will have a population of maybe 500 million, maybe 600 million if they're lucky. Um, So really, this is the biggest demographic fall in history in the absence of war or disease. 
No country has ever gone through that before, so we don't know how China will navigate it. But it, all of its other problems, um, and there are a lot of them, have to be seen in the context of a rapidly shrinking country. Well, and you couple that with Xi Jinping, and uh, when, you know, I can't remember when it was, but uh, Jack and I had long assumed that uh, Xi Jinping, uh, Stalin, a lot of the communist leaders just wanted the, the legitimacy, the promises of communism, but were really running kind of an old-fashioned dictatorship behind the scenes. They didn't believe their own rhetoric. But it, it seems, you know, that Xi Jinping actually believes in communism, that it will work, and that it's time to run in this unruly capitalist thing that's that's bought them everything they have. Yes, Um we never know, of course, what's in someone's mind, but it's clear that Xi Jinping reveres Mao Zedong. He's consistently felt that way over the course of decades. And we've seen his actions as ruler, which is to move away from the liberalization of the economy in China, which created all that growth during three and a half decades. Also, he believes in totalitarian social controls, and we're seeing the return of those so that China has really moved back to a society that is starting to resemble the 1950s only with high-speed railroads and buildings and, and skyscrapers. Um, but really what he's doing is he's taking the vitality out of China, and that ultimately is something that has occurred. It, it occurred in the first years of the People's Republic, of course, but it's also occurred during the imperial era from time to time where China's leaders closed up their country, and it's always resulted in disaster, Joe. And uh, in your piece, which folks can read at armstrongandgetty.com, link to the Daily Caller, um, it's uh, you mentioned uh, uh, there have been a handful of run on runs on banks. There's a very, very fragile situation with the real estate market. So, I mean, if all of those birds come home to roost and, and China goes into a severe state of unrest or, or uh, recession, Obviously, that'll affect the world economy. Uh, do you want to talk about that just a little bit before we get into other geopolitical questions? Sure. Um, it will affect the global economy, but much less than we think. You know, everyone hmm. says China is an engine of global growth. And yes, China does have and has had growth. But the point is, China's growth has come at the expense of other countries because of their stealing of intellectual property and their predatory trade practices. So if China were, for instance, just to magically disappear off the face of the earth, it actually would be good for growth of other countries. Because to be an engine of global growth, you've got to buy the goods and services of other countries to create growth elsewhere. And the engine of global growth today, as it's been consistently since the end of World War II, is the United States, because we run these enormous trade deficits with others. We're creating growth around the world. The Chinese are taking away growth from other countries. Author and columnist uh, Gordon Chang is on the line. We're talking about China's economic fragility and what it might mean. And uh, then you, you hit me with, you hit us with a sentence, a couple of sentences that I thought were just terrific and I did not see coming in your piece. You ask, why should we care? Well, for decades, the primary basis of legitimacy of the Communist Party has been the continual, continual delivery of prosperity. Now, because of the accelerating downturn, the party's only remaining basis of legitimacy is nationalism. That was the twist that I did not see coming. What's that likely to look like? Well, Xi Jinping um, believes that the Communist Party has a right to rule. He knows that his primary basis of legitimacy is gone. He can no longer assure prosperity which means that he's got to show a strong China. 
Now, a strong China means military misadventure abroad. It means, for instance, going after India, Japan, the Philippines, Taiwan, even us. We've seen some very hostile maneuvers by the Chinese Air Force and Navy over the last couple months. These guys are just sort of looking for a war. And, you know, they may say they don't want it, but they're taking actions that can lead to it. And so, therefore, we've got to be prepared that uh, not as the Pentagon says that if war comes with China, it'll be next decade. We've got to be prepared for the here and now. So you think it's a a Putin-like effort to provoke outsiders to attack China to rally the people to the party? It would probably be China attacking others in the first instance. We saw this in June 2020 with the sneak attack on India. We have seen this, of course, with these very provocative air maneuvers, um, not only with regard to Taiwan, but also last month, May 26th, they uh, almost tried to Uh, They almost brought down an Australian reconnaissance plane in international airspace. So this is really dangerous stuff that they're doing. And so, you know, the law of averages says that there's going to be a collision or there's going to be deaths. And that could lead to the spiral downward from which there is no recovery. If you were to advise the Joe Getty administration on dissuading the Chinese from from pushing too far and provoking the sort of conflict you're talking about, what would you suggest? Is there any dissuading them? I think that there is because they realize that we're a stronger country. Um, What they don't believe is that the United States has the political will to defend our friends and allies. And matter of fact, Ukraine is a great demonstration of a failure of deterrence. We were far stronger. Our allies were far stronger than Russia. And and yet we failed to stop the Russians from attacking. Uh, The Chinese look at that. and, And I think the way that we stop them from going after Taiwan or whatever is we make it clear that we will fight. And the way to do that is, for instance, to say to Taiwan, we will defend you. We'll give you a mutual defense treaty. We'll put our soldiers on the island as a tripwire. We'll pre-position um, military supplies. We will do those things that make it clear that we will fight. People will say that that's extraordinarily risky. And I say, yes, it is. But because of misguided policy over the course of decades, our policies, we've created a situation where Every option is exceedingly dangerous, and the most dangerous option is to continue with policies that have put us into this predicament in the first place. Gordon Chang is an independent voice taking a look at China. We always are interested in his opinion. Uh, He's the author of The Coming Collapse of China. You can follow Gordon on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, Gordon, it's always interesting to catch up. Thanks so much for the time. Well, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, again, it's a little frustrating, and you don't need to be an authority. I don't claim to be an authority, but uh, you just hear the same cliches about China repeated over and over again, and and uh, it, it's a behemoth. I mean, obviously, the population, the economy, and the rest of it, but it is an enormous, complicated, troubled, aging country, and and not the... You know, the the plucky young upstart that it's been portrayed as in the mainstream media for the longest time. They are, well, all international politics is an extension of domestic politics, as we try to uh, remind you all from time to time. And countries often express their uh, their difficulties domestically by reaching out and poking somebody in the eye or, or you know, forming an alliance or, or writing a treaty or something like that. 
But man, never forget, domestic politics are what drive international politics, and China matters these days. So you got to keep an eye on what's going on internally. So hope you enjoyed that. I did. Armstrong and Getty. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.